Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 20. I'm Carly Tisano, a New Year's resolution coach, obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. I am very excited to share today's interview with you. It is perfect, I think, as we come out of this first month of the new year. Many people started off this year wanting to eat healthy, eat better, maybe pursue a particular diet, and we're reaching the point in the year when unfortunately a lot of people are struggling to keep with it, especially as we flip over the calendar into February. And so I'm so excited to share this interview with Jess Reed. She has created so many great resources that I cannot wait to share with you in today's interview. Jess Reed is a self-care keto coach, a certified life coach with the International Coaching Federation and the founder of her own coaching practice, The Keto Fit. She's passionate about helping women to lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset by providing both the concrete scientific strategies to lose weight and the mindset work that will help women change their beliefs surrounding weight, food, and body image so that they can have lifelong success with ease, peace, and joy. Jess lives in Virginia Beach with her husband of 16 years and her five-year-old daughter. When she's not coaching, Jess loves walking, coffee, shopping, and binge listening to podcasts. I hope you enjoy this interview with Jess as much as I did. Even though I'm not setting any particular food or diet-related resolutions this year, I did find so much benefit from this episode, and there were so many great takeaways that she has that can be applied to your food or weight loss journey, but also any other goal that you have set for this coming year. So without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Jess Reed. Jess, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Carly. I'm excited to be here. So why don't we start out the real life round, having you share a little bit about your journey and everything that led you to where you are today. Okay, sure. I will try to keep it brief, but fill you in on all the (laughs) wonderful details. So my story is that I actually struggled with weight for most of my life. So I'm sure that there's a lot of women listening that can resonate with this. But from the time I was a very young child, like probably four or five years old, I saw myself as overweight. And one of the biggest reasons for this is because I grew up as a twin. So I have a twin sister and we are fraternal actually. So we're not identical. We don't look exactly alike, but I guess people still expect you to look alike (laughs) when you're a twin. And growing up in the 1980s, people would just say whatever they want to straight to your Mm. face and in front of your mom. And it wasn't a big deal, but it was to me, you know, I was the short fat twin and my sister was the tall skinny twin. Mm. And that really wounded me as a kid. I saw myself as having something fundamentally wrong with me. And so even once I did reach a healthy weight, pretty much after puberty, I did reach like a healthy weight range. I was no longer actually overweight. I didn't do it in the healthiest of ways. It was very disordered the way I got to a healthy weight, but I still saw myself as overweight for my entire life. I I really struggled with body dysmorphia. I thought that I was fat and broken basically. And so most of my adult life, I actually was at a healthy weight in my mid to late twenties. I went through a traumatic experience and a season of depression where I actually did gain about 40 pounds in the course of a year. And so I actually was truly overweight at this point. That was really difficult for me because I found myself hiding out from my life. Again, I'm sure people can resonate with this, like literally turning down invitations to hang out whenever it would be time to go to work or go to church or go anywhere. I would try on like seven different outfits and just be crying, feeling so ashamed, so awful. I felt like an alien in my own body. Really. I felt like I didn't recognize who I was when I looked in the mirror, it was so difficult for me. And so I wanted to lose weight as quickly as possible. And I didn't really care how I did it. Mm -hmm. And so 
I approached a low carb diet. It was Atkins at the time in November of 2013, three weeks before Thanksgiving. So you can see (laughs) (laughs) that I was not planning for this to be long-term. Like I was Mm. literally just planning, like I need to lose 10 pounds in two weeks stats. Like, and I had seen my mom do Atkins when I was a teenager as a way to drop weight pretty quickly. Mm. And so that's what I did. Hadn't researched it, knew nothing about it. I was like, I'm just going to go do this. Looked it up online one day and started at it. And I did lose 10 pounds in the first two weeks, but it's just water weight. Of course, that's how it works with a low carb diet, but I was still so excited. What I did not expect was how much better I felt physically and mentally. Mm. And so within two weeks, I knew that this was going to be the way that I wanted to eat for the rest of my life. I stayed low carb through Thanksgiving. People thought I was insane. They thought that I was getting a little too overboard or too crazy. Um, It was very difficult to explain to anybody at the time, but I was so convinced because for the very first time in my life, I felt what I would say is food freedom. I finally felt full for the first time. I felt like I was free from cravings. Previous to that, I would eat a high carb dinner every night. And then an hour later, I would be snacking in front of the TV, something sweet, something salty, something sweet, something salty. And I would get myself so bloated and feel horrible vowing the next day to be different and just doing it day after day. And this was my life counting calories all day, every day. It was Mm -hmm. an obsession. Food was always on my mind. I was terrified of food. I was looking up restaurant menus before I would go anywhere out to eat. It it was just the center of my thoughts. And and I really grieve at how much I wasn't there. I wasn't Mm -hmm. present with the people that I loved or really even present for any of my dreams or ambitions, because this was always in the back of my mind. And so food freedom is what that gave me for the first time. And that's the reason why I stuck with it. And it's been eight years. I found it to be a lifestyle for me. For me, it's not about weight loss. I'm at a healthy weight, but it's just a way of feeling like I'm fueling my body and I feel my best. When was it along your journey when you decided, okay, I have to help other people with this too? Ah, great question. Yeah. Probably about a year after. So I lost those 40 pounds plus another 10 pounds within the course of six months. And I started having what I would say was the mental energy and the mental clarity to do the inner work, to transform my relationship with food. Keto didn't do that for me, but it gave me the mental clarity and energy. I, I compare it to when you, when somebody is struggling with like depression or anxiety so much to the point that they actually would benefit from having some medication, some like a psychotropic medication. And what that does is it gives them the mental boost or the mental edge that they need to hopefully do the work of therapy, get to the root of the problem, because neither one is going to, you won't have the energy to do that inner work if you're in such great pain. And so I looked at that as I actually didn't have the mental energy or mental clarity to do the inner work of healing my relationship with food because I was so stuck in it. I was so stuck in my addiction and so stuck in the mental pain of feeling like a failure every day. And so it really gave me the ability to do that. So Once I started feeling better from that and doing a lot of personal development work and really feeling like I was healing from the inside out, that's when I had the dream of, I would really love to help other women do this. I wanted to become a coach. I wanted to create a program that would be like a nutritionist and a therapist in the room together. And so that's what I envisioned probably in the fall of 2014. I can remember I took a train ride to DC and I wrote out the curriculum for what I thought would be my first coaching program but I didn't do it until (laughs) July of 2017. I sat on it for a really long time because of a bunch of reasons. I had a great job that I loved. It was scary to do a a lot of reasons why I didn't push myself to do it, but finally I did. And so in July of 2017, I started my side hustle as a weight loss coach while I still kept my full-time job going. And then in February of 2020, I left my full-time job to coach full-time. 
Wow. That's so exciting. What was the catalyst in 2017 that made you say, okay, I'm finally ready to go at least side hustle all in on this? Oh gosh, that's such a great question. And honestly, it was probably losing my dad. My dad passed away. I had become a new mom. My daughter was born in October, 2016. My dad passed away in February of 2017. And there's nothing like losing somebody to realize how precious life is and Mm -hmm. what a short time we have. And also I watched my dad pass away with a lot of regrets. Mm. And at that time I had heard about this before, but it resurfaced in my mind was this book called the top five regrets of the dying by hospice nurse, Bronnie Ware. And you guys can just Google this. There's a Buzzfeed article that'll tell you the top five regrets, but the, the number one regret that people have on their deathbeds is I wish I lived a life true to myself, not the life that other people expected of me. Mm. And that is really probably what pushed me into doing it. Cause I, I had just watched losing somebody who did sure enough, get to the end of his life and have that regret. And that's what most people regret. And I just said to myself, what am I doing? Why am I not doing this? Like I have this dream. I want to do this. What the only thing holding you back is literally fear. And so let's just do it. I love that. And you've been able then to help so many people reach their big goal of losing weight, support them all along that journey. That is so exciting. So can you talk a little bit more for people who maybe don't know, what does eating low carb look like? And maybe it transitioned a little bit from where you started out to where you are now, but can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. What is a keto diet? A keto <laughs> has become super popular. At the time that I started it, it wasn't like it wasn't even called keto. I started it as Atkins, but eating a low carb diet is a really um, helpful way to help people lose weight without hunger. Mm. So basically how it works is your body is able to use two different fuel sources. And so using carbohydrates or sugars or starches is one way for your body to burn fuel. And it's actually the primary way. So like whenever you are giving your body carbohydrates, it's going to use that first because that's the simplest nutrition for your body to break down. So it will always use that first. And then in the absence of carbohydrates, your body will use fat as its primary fuel source. And so it's this really miraculous way that we've been set up to survive, but think about a bear. So all summer long, they're just piling on the food and then all winter they hibernate. And what's happening while they are hibernating is they are living off of their stored body fat as a fuel source. So when your body switches, when you deprive your body of carbohydrates, it switches over to saying, oh, we don't have this fuel source anymore. Let's switch to the backup fuel source, which is fat particularly burning your stored body fat. And when your body breaks down fat, it produces something called ketone molecules. And this is a fuel source for your body and your brain and everything. And so that's why it's called a keto diet or um, ketogenic or a state of ketosis. And so this is completely normal and natural. All mammals are designed to be able to function burning one of two um, fuel sources, but For the standard American person, most of us never, ever dip into a state of ketosis because we're typically eating such high carbohydrates 24 seven. So basically a low carb diet is taking advantage of switching into that other metabolic state, which is burning fat for fuel instead of burning carbohydrates for fuel. Mm -hmm. And some of the benefits of that is it basically really suppresses your appetite because fat is a lot more satiating than carbohydrates and particularly protein is as well. So protein, uh, most pure sources of protein don't have any carbohydrates. Like meat has no carbohydrates and dairy has very minimal, especially if you choose a full fat dairy. So when you're getting protein and fat, these are the most satisfying nutrients for your body 
Carbohydrates are very simple. You're going to burn through those very quickly. And then your body's going to say, I need more, I need more. It takes a lot longer for your body to break down protein and fat. And so you're going to be able to go longer periods without eating. You're not going to feel hungry constantly, which frees up your mental brain space. And then also it. When your brain switches over to burning ketones or fat for fuel, it has some brain benefits to it as well. So think about it from like an evolutionary perspective. If we were hunter gatherers and we didn't have food presently available, um, we were in a state of famine. We needed to go hunt for something else to find food. And so we wouldn't want to be in a state where we felt like exhausted, had no energy. We actually need more energy to go now get our needs met. So we're in like a fasted state, but our brain turns on, like our brain becomes more actually able to hunt and and go get what we need. And so a lot of people report feeling a lot more mental clarity, energy, better sleep, mood improvements with burning ketones for fuel in the brain. It's a different fuel source. And so a ketogenic diet was actually formulated in the 1920s to treat epilepsy. That's how we discovered Mm. it. And so it prevents seizures. It slows down Alzheimer's. It's a great corollary treatment to cancer because cancer feeds off of sugar. It's been shown to improve depression and anxiety and autism, a lot of neurological disorders like MS, things like that. So it's really quite amazing what happens when the brain switches over to burning fat as well. Yeah, that is amazing. That's quite a list there of amazing benefits. So what changes of those or maybe different ones have you seen in your own life or the lives of your clients? Oh my gosh. Like I said, the biggest thing for me and probably for my clients too, weight loss, of course, that's why people approach it. And (laughs) that's what you're getting out of it. But food freedom, I think is Mm. absolutely the biggest benefit. Most people say that it it really set them free from feeling like they were addicted Mm. to food or Mm. that they had a disordered relationship with food and that it really just quieted the brain for a little while. It doesn't eliminate your issues with food. You have to unpack that, right? And we all emotionally eat from time to time and that's normal. And I help clients do that inner work as well, but the ability to actually do it feels Mm -hmm. so much more achievable once you've had that food freedom. Apart from that, I've seen some of my clients with diabetes greatly lower their blood sugars, get off of medications naturally. I've seen some clients with PCOS who were told that they weren't able to get pregnant not once, but twice. It's pretty incredible the way that it heals the body, improved digestion. So people that maybe didn't actually have like celiac disease, but just didn't realize that they were so sensitive to gluten started feeling so much better once they would eliminate that out of their diet. It's mainly coming from grains. So you're getting rid of that naturally by following the low carb diet. So improved digestion, that was huge for me. Clearing up acne was another big thing for me. Um, improving my depression and anxiety, just better mood, better sleep, no more painful periods and a right, more regulated menstrual cycle. Like I just thought, oh, it's normal to get PMS and feel bloated and horrible cramps. Like before my period, I don't have that anymore just because it's common. It's not actually normal. So many things that I was not expecting that, that really improved. I'm curious because you have a family. So does your whole family eat keto with you? That's a great question. The answer is no. Okay. <laughs> For years, I tried to get my husband to eat keto, but he's the type, if you push him, he's just going right. to go the, the opposite direction. <laughs> At first I would make a meal for me. So basically like protein and vegetables, but I would still cook a starch for him. So I'm going to make him like a baked potato or rice or pasta or whatever. At some point along the way, he just said, you don't have to make that for me. You don't have to make that extra mm. thing for me. I'm like, really? And he eats the keto meals that I make, but then he'll also have regular ice cream or tortilla chips or something like that, that he wants to eat after dinner. My daughter is five 
now. So I started in 2013. She was born in 2016. I did eat keto my entire pregnancy and postpartum. She eats just whole foods. I don't try to keep her on a low carbohydrate diet. So I will let her eat starchy vegetables or like a clean whole food, basically. So I'll let her have rice or I'll let her have pasta sometimes if we're out to eat. I don't really keep that in the house, but she actually favors meat more than anything. And fruit Mm. is she really loves meat and fruit. (laughs) (laughs) I love that example with your husband, because we really can't force other people to do the Mm -hmm. things that we think or know that they should do. That would be so good for them. But when we live a life that is in line with our values and the things that we want, and when we can be an example of all of those things out in the world, so often people who even maybe diametrically opposed at first, Mm -hmm. they can see all of those benefits that you were talking about. And even if they never come fully around or fully onto our side, they at least get that deeper level of understanding of what that looks like lived out. And oftentimes they do decide to adopt at least some of those practices along with us. It's true. I tell all my clients who basically struggle with maybe not even haters. Sometimes there's haters, like people that are actually literally so opposed to what you're doing Mm -hmm. saying, Oh, this is not healthy. You're going to have a heart attack, whatever. That's becoming more rare. I think as more people are trying keto and low carb, it's becoming more acceptable. And even doctors are saying like, this is not scary. This is not unhealthy, but have their different viewpoints. And a lot of times people treat food like it's like religion or like dogma or whatever. Mm -hmm. People will deteriorate into these battles. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't owe anybody an explanation for the food that you put into your mouth, but you're the only person that that influences. So there's no point in arguing with anybody. If somebody's Mm -hmm. genuinely curious and open, yeah, of course, like I'm sharing with you explain the science. They want to nerd out with you. Great. If they're open to it. But I always tell my clients results don't lie. So just sit there, let the results speak for themselves. Everybody who was well-meaningly concerned about me when I first started out over time has eventually come to me for advice at some point in the Mm. last eight years, my whole family, all of my friends at some point or another have tried keto. They've come to me. They've asked me questions. They may or may not still be doing it but they gave it a try and they really enjoyed the foods that I've made for them and all of that. So yeah, results speak for themselves and modeling is the best form of influence. Yes. I think that's so true. (laughs) One of the things that you say often is the term self-care keto. So can you talk a little bit about how you use that term and what it means to you? Absolutely. Yes. And I call myself a self-care keto coach. So I help women, I help women lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. Mm. So Mindset is so important because the way that you do something is the results that you're going to get out of it. If you lose all of your weight through restriction and punishment, you're going to lose weight, but you're still going to feel restricted and punished trying to maintain that. If you hated yourself throughout your entire weight loss journey, you're not going to magically love yourself when you see that number on the scale. That's not Mm -hmm. how it works. And so mindset is so important because you're also not going to do anything that you're not enjoying. Like you're not going to stick to something long-term that feels like absolute misery that goes against our human nature. And so the way that we think about something and the language that we use with ourselves and all of that is so important in how we approach any goal. But apart from the mindset, having a self-care mindset, like I'm doing this to take care of myself, I call it actual self-care because it is nutrition is the most basic form of self-care and Mm self-care is not bubble baths and pedicures and spa nights and Netflix. It could be those things, but self-care is meeting your own needs. And so if you're taking care of someone else, what are you doing? You're meeting their needs. If you're a mom and you bring that baby home from the hospital and you have to take care of them, what are you doing? You're making sure that they're fed, that they're getting sleep. They have a comfortable temperature. You're burping them. You're bathing them, whatever, like the basic physiological needs are being met. 
And so a lot of us are thinking about meeting our higher level needs, like our needs for a relationship, love and belonging, Mm. having self-esteem, feeling a sense of purpose. Those are needs too. But the most fundamental human need is our nutrition. And if we don't have that nailed down, it's going to keep us defective from living up to our full potential and all of these other higher level needs. Mm. So that's why I call it self-care because to me, it, I do it from a self-care mindset and I help my clients to approach that as well. But quite literally you taking care of yourself is making you show up as the best version of yourself in all arenas of your life. Yeah. I love that. That's so true for me, where I see that a lot with clients as we work towards bigger goals and working on resolutions is a lot of times clients have to back it up to working on their morning routine. That's the foundation for everything that's going to happen in our day and creating the space for us to work on those bigger goals. So it's so interesting Mm -hmm. to hear that exact same kind of principle applied in a different area, but it's so true Mm -hmm. that taking care of ourselves on that very fundamental level is so necessary. And it's a level that we don't even think about applying those self-care principles and that deeper mindset work, but it's just as important. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that you're talking about a morning routine. I'm a huge fan of that with my clients as well. It's such a way to just speak to yourself that you matter too. even just taking 15 to 30 minutes to not be available to anybody else for their demands or their agenda of you and just have that for yourself. You're proving to yourself that you matter. Yeah, that's so true. So someone who's deciding to take that you matter approach to their nutrition, who wants to try eating keto, low carb, where do they start? Okay. So I love this question. And the first thing that I'll say is if you have no idea where to start, I actually have a free guide that you can grab. Yep. So it's called my free keto kickstart PDF. So if you want to grab that, just go to the website bit.ly slash keto kickstart PDF, and you can grab that. It's also in the link in my bio on my Instagram page and Facebook. I'm at the keto fit. So you can just go grab that totally for free. It's got 47 free recipes that are keto to get you started on your keto journey, but also it's got um, a shopping list for you. So it's got a whole list of focus on these foods, but essentially I'll break it down for you. And I like to have people focus on approach goals and not avoid goals. So I don't want you Mm. to think about all the things that you cannot have, right? Oh, I can't have (laughs) bread or I can't have whatever. First of all, there's actually a keto substitute for just about anything. Like you can make, (laughs) there's like something that says if cauliflower can become pizza, then you can become anything you want, but they really are great tasty substitutes for pretty much any kind of food that you think you might need to avoid. So don't worry about what you can avoid, but focus on all the things that you can have which is focus on protein. So any kind of meat that you want to enjoy as much as you want. I tell my clients to eat unlimited protein. If you're hungry, eat more protein until you feel full. Enjoy the heck out of that steak, salmon, shrimp, pork chops, gosh, anything. And if you're not a big meat eater, you can still do it as a vegetarian. Don't let that hold you back and talk to me. I'll I'll help you. But protein unlimited set boundaries. I like to use the word boundaries instead of restrictions with carbohydrates, because a boundary helps keep you safe and makes your life better. Uh, Restriction doesn't feel very fun. It just feels like a punishment or what I don't get to have. So Mm -hmm. a boundary feels like a good thing. Okay. I'm setting a boundary to make my life better. So keep a boundary with carbohydrates and focus on just eating low carbohydrate vegetables for variety. So that makes it fun to switch things up and fruits. So you can do like low sugar fruits, like berries, um, once in a while, melon, things like that, and then use fat as a condiment. So think of fats like olives, olive oil, nuts, nut butters, salad dressings, mayonnaise, butter, like any kind of fat, just to make your food taste good, use it as a condiment. So eat all the protein you want, 
eat some low carb vegetables to make it fun and switch things up and then use that as a condiment. And that's how I would basically explain how to start eating keto. I love it. Can you give some quick tips for the eating out, going to the grocery store when someone is saying, why won't you have X, Y, Z thing that I made? Can you just throw out all your wisdom and advice for all of those scenarios? So eating out, I actually find to be not that hard to do. Probably the only place that I've ever really had a difficult time eating out would be like PF Chang's, I think. But even then you can order like off the menu because it's not that there's not protein and vegetables available, but they just like automatically cook everything in like a sugary sauce. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, you're just going to focus on protein and low carb vegetables. So when I go to a steakhouse, I get steak, I get a Caesar salad, I get a side of broccoli or asparagus or green beans. And it's awesome. When I go out for Mexican, I get chicken and steak fajitas with just the veggies. I skip the rice and beans and I get extra um, sour cream salad or guacamole salad. So there's pretty much something that you can get at every restaurant. When I go to Olive Garden, I ask for a pasta dish, but without the pasta and just put it over a bed of broccoli. So mm-hmm. I'll get like chicken or shrimp Alfredo or carbonara or anything like that. And I'll, I'll just ask for little substitutes. And now places are becoming a lot more carb conscious, I think. So people are like starting to serve zucchini noodles instead of pasta noodles, or they're starting to serve cauliflower rice at Qdoba or Chipotle or places like that. But yeah, you're just going to focus on meat and vegetables essentially when you're going out to eat. Do you still look at the menu ahead of time or do you just trust yourself that you'll get there and be able to figure it out? I don't anymore just because I've had so much practice at it. Like I said, I'm eight years in. And actually, by the time this episode airs, I will hopefully have my restaurant guide available. So I'm working on that right now. It's going to be a digital product, pretty low price for anybody that wants to access it. Because one of the things that I do for my clients is I offer an optional custom meal plan when they sign up to coach with me. And so as part of the two-week meal plan, I'll make them recipes for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and desserts. But also I ask them what all of their favorite places are to go out to eat for fast food and sit down restaurants. And I look up the menu for them and tell them what to order when they go to those places. Wow! So I already have a huge storehouse of what to eat when you go everywhere. So I'm going to be compiling that into a big for everybody and make that available. So yeah, that's going out to eat grocery shopping. It's kind of the classic thing that they say, shop the perimeter of the store. You're going to find all of the dairy, the meat and the vegetables and fruits on the perimeter of the store. So I'd say just keep that. But I'll add on this because there's a lot more processed keto products available now. And Mm -hmm. I will say your mileage may vary when using these things. I'm not against using them. I call them keto crutches because I think in the beginning, it's very important to allow yourself to have transition tools. Mm -hmm. When I first started eating keto, they didn't have all these keto products, but they did have Atkins products. And I used to go to the grocery store and get like the Atkins M&Ms, whatever it is that they were making available so that. I wouldn't eat quote unquote, the real thing. And that Mm. really helped me. Trust me when I say your cravings for those things will naturally dissipate over time. And just don't judge yourself and allow yourself to have those things in the beginning. If that's what you need. There's so many like fun keto cereals and keto ice creams and all of that on the market. Um, I will say count total carbohydrates instead of counting your net carbohydrates, because what Mm. that means is total carbohydrates is literally look at the nutrition label and it says total carbohydrates. And then under that, it'll say fiber and then it'll say sugar alcohols. So sugar alcohol is a keto sweetener that supposedly doesn't impact your blood sugar. And I will agree. I don't think it impacts your blood sugar, but these products that they do, they put all of this false fiber into it so that they can try to bring down the net carbs. And really it's 30 total carbohydrates, but it's three net carbs. And it's like, that Mm. doesn't exist in nature. The fiber from vegetables 
that's real. And I don't think that impacts your blood sugar, but in these chemically made fibers, it's all a marketing scheme to try to get you to buy this thing that is very difficult to moderate. I found personally, oh my gosh, high key cookies. They're so delicious, but I will eat two bags of it. If it's sitting Mm. in my house, like it's very difficult to moderate because it's like hijacking your brain. It's like sugar, uh, uh, sweet, fat and salty, like all at once. So the same way that like another high carb processed food does that these products do the same thing. So it's Mm -hmm. hard to moderate. It probably is spiking your blood sugar. probably is slowing down your weight loss. Again, use it as you need it, but just keep it in check. And so when you count total carbohydrates, that's going to help you. So I will say that about the grocery store as well. People asking questions, use your discernment. I, I think that you can tell when somebody is genuinely curious versus somebody is trying to take you down or try to talk you out of it or whatever. Use your discernment. And if somebody is sincere, absolutely have a conversation with them. Tell them what you've learned. One of my favorite websites is dietdoctor.com. I think they have a fantastic beginner's guide there and they do a great job making recipes available, but also it's run by a team of doctors and their like introductory guide does like a fantastic job explaining all the science. They have so many articles on there about how keto um, treats all of those things that I was mentioning to you earlier. So that's a fantastic resource. If somebody is like genuinely curious, but you don't feel as adept at explaining things to them, you Mm. could point them to that website. I think that you'll know when somebody is being helpful with their conversation versus being harmful with their conversation. And if it's meant to be harmful, just get out of there as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And just stand by what you know is right for you, the decisions Mm -hmm. you're making, the things that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Because people can't argue with your experience, right? right? And so if it's helping you, like you literally feel better, you're losing weight, you feel more energy, all those things. Like it doesn't matter anybody else's opinion on it. And everybody has a different experience. Some people will try keto and it won't work for them. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm not trying to convert everybody to keto. I'm just here to say this really worked for me. I wish that I had known about it sooner. And it works for a lot of people that I work with, but I'm not saying everyone must eat this way. And it goes back to the results don't lie. So try it for you. And if someone, it works for them and it doesn't work for you, that's okay. If it works Mm -hmm. for you, if it doesn't work for someone else, that's okay too. But look at the results that you're getting. And even if you're on the verge of making a decision to try something like keto, do you like the results you have now? If not, Mm -hmm. it's definitely worth a try. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this caveat though, if you're not getting the results that you want and you're struggling before giving up, please talk to me. (laughs) Advice (laughs) is always free. And there's a lot of different ways that we need to switch things up. And sometimes there's just a lot of pitfalls that you don't realize Mm -hmm. could be holding you back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true of anything, whether it's exercise or eating a certain way. And that's the beautiful thing about coaches and just experts in every area of every industry is you should be able to find someone, maybe a friend, maybe a professional who can give you some of that advice and maybe point you in the right direction before you say, "Mm, this does not work for me. You're so right. Absolutely. Yeah. So when someone has been eating keto or low carb for a while, and then maybe they've quote unquote fallen off the wagon, or they're going through a period where they haven't been eating that way. What suggestions do you have for them getting back on the track that they want to be and continuing on? Yes. Okay, great. I love this question. And I was so excited about it that I came up with four different points that I want to share. (laughs) I love it. So the first thing that I want to share is forgive yourself and treat yourself with compassion that you haven't failed the diets, but the diets have failed you. Mm. I think that when we think about somebody else and if they are struggling or they say that they failed, what do we do? We look at the context. We look at the environment and we're like, no, you were going through a hard time. You, this, are you that? Of course you're so, like, we contextualize things for mm. other people, but with ourselves, we blame our character. 
we blame our willpower. We blame ourselves. There's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. instead of looking at all of the environmental factors that influenced the situation. But our behavior is a product of our environment. And so that could be our internal environment and our external environment. So I like to encourage my clients who feel like they're just going to fail this because they failed everything else before. They literally have examples, like a track record that they can point to. And they're like, no, you don't understand. I tried keto and I failed. <laughs> you know, like, but I'm like, okay, but let's talk about that. Let's really dig into that and try to develop some self-awareness and some self-compassion around that. So what was going on? What were you going through? Forgive yourself. Like maybe you were just in survival mode. You did what you had to do to get through, or you didn't have the education that you have right now. You had a fundamental misunderstanding. And so without the correct information, of course, you're not going to succeed. It could be a variety of things, but until we actually come at it from a place of love instead of judgment, we're not going to find success. Nobody Mm -hmm. finds long-term success through self-hatred or self-judgment or any of that. It's only love that really helps us change from the inside out successfully Mm -hmm. long-term. So forgive yourself and question the environment instead of just blaming yourself. The second thing is learn what motivates you and hack that. So I would tell everybody to take the four tendencies quiz by Gretchen Rubin. I love the four tendencies quiz. (laughs) Yeah. It's so invaluable to know this about yourself, you guys, because Some people are internally motivated. Some people are externally motivated. Some people are both and some people are neither. And so that's the four different tendencies. And I won't go into all of them, but I have all of my clients take this so that I can learn what actually motivates them and meet them where they are. Because if you're trying to pair a strategy that doesn't fit your natural inclination, you're going to feel like there's something wrong with you. It's not something wrong with you. It's the strategy. So Mm -hmm. it's about pairing your natural personality and celebrating that and designing your environment to fit well with that for you to be able to find long-term success. So internally motivated people, I am one of them, are just the people that wake up in the morning and decide, I'm going to do this. And then they do it. (laughs) And all of the externally motivated people are like, how do you do that? How do you just set a goal and then just do it? And I'm like, how do you not? (laughs) But until I learned that different people are wired in different ways. So externally motivated people need other people to meet them to show up for themselves. If they're going to be successful with an exercise program, they need like a buddy, they need like a trainer, they need to be part of a team sport, something like that, as opposed to just saying, I'm going to run a 5k every day from now until whatever, all by myself. No, they're not because they're only letting themselves down and they're not motivated by their internal expectations. They're motivated by external expectations. Mm -hmm. Don't feel bad about that. You guys, if that's how you are, actually, most people are wired that way. Most people are wired that way. Very rarely are people only internally motivated. So don't keep fighting yourself and keep trying to shove yourself into situations and strategies that are not going to work for you. So take that quiz. She does a great job at actually telling you strategies that will work for you and then learn some of those and um, hack that. Number three is to make it easy and convenient and practice habit stacking. So Remember, your environment has so much influence over you. So you want to make everything as easy and convenient as possible. Get all the crap out of your house that you don't want to be eating and put stuff in your house that you do want to be eating and make it super easy and super doable. If you like to do meal planning, definitely do that so that you have all of that available. One of the four tendencies with Gretchen Rubin is the people that are neither internally nor externally motivated. She calls them the rebels. I find for these people, they don't like to be trapped or boxed into anything. So they're not going to like meal prep. They're going to hate that because if they've decided a week ago what they were going to eat, they're going to like buck against that. And they're like, I don't feel like eating that today. So if you feel like that's you, 
that's totally okay. That's just your personality. Try ingredient prep instead. So maybe just cook up a bunch of proteins and chop up a bunch of vegetables and it's just all available to you. And then if Italian sounds good that day, throw it together in something Italian. If Mexican sounds better, throw it together in that. If Indian, you know, throw some peanut butter sauce on there or whatever and turn it into whatever you want to turn it into. And habit stacking. So we talked about the morning routine or whatever you're doing. Read Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's a fantastic book that explains all of this. But whatever new habit you're trying to develop, attach it to something that already exists. So when I wanted to start taking supplements, I put it next to my coffee machine in the morning. So that way it's easy, it's accessible, and I'm stacking it with my coffee habit that already exists. And then the last thing that I would say is envision the life that you want and regularly revisit that vision so that you're being pulled towards your inspiration instead of always pushing yourself through motivation. So motivation comes and goes, right? Inspiration can come and go as well, but it's easier to inspire yourself than it is to motivate yourself. Mm -hmm. So take the time. I know that this episode is airing probably in the new year at the beginning of January, maybe towards the end of January. It's not too late. Sit down with your journal and try to envision your ideal life that you would love to be living. Think about it two years out, five years out, whatever makes sense to you. Maybe your kids are eight and when they're 18, you know, they're going to be out of your house and that's your ideal vision. Maybe it's three years away. Who knows? You decide what is inspiring to you. But think about your ideal life and envision it like a movie in your head. Do this whole journal exercise. Write it out in detail. What are you wearing? What are you driving? Where do you live? What are you doing for work? Who are the relationships in your life? Who's no longer in your life? What do you do for fun? Everything and anything. Envision it out and just make it fun. And then ask yourself, what would I need to do to get there? And that's going to be the goals that you start working on. But if you know your bigger why and you regularly feel inspired, like, In order to get there, man, I need to have more energy. I need to have more confidence. I do want to lose weight for those reasons, not just to look hot, but to have the energy and the confidence to show up for my purpose, to show up for the life that I really want to live. And so regularly revisit that with yourself so that you continue to stay inspired. And that's what I would say are the four things I'd recommend to anybody who feels like they have fallen off the wagon and they don't know how to get back. I love that because all four of those things don't just apply to eating keto or eating low carb. It could apply to any diet, any goal, any habit or practice you're working on. Definitely those four steps, Mm -hmm. magic every time. So I want to move into the resolution round. We're going to talk a little bit about goals and everything related to that. So let's start out with, do you set goals or resolutions and what is that process like for you? Oh my gosh. Yes, of course. As I mentioned, I'm that internally motivated person that just, I set goals constantly. Mm -hmm. It really motivates me to just think about what I want to do and go make it happen. What I do is essentially what I just described to you with that vision practice. I do that pretty regularly. I definitely do a deep dive at least once a year, usually around this time of year, January. And I take the time to ask myself what I really want my life to look like. And then ask myself, what are the steps that I would actually need to take in order to make that happen? That's how Mm -hmm. I derive my goals. It's working from the front. So instead of just saying, what should I do this year? Or what should I do this month? I actually want to know that it's connected to getting me to where I want to go. I don't like things that just feel arbitrary just because it's January. Oh, I should try to run a 5k this year. Why? I, I don't care about that just because somebody else is doing it. I want it to be getting me somewhere towards where I really want to be going. That's part of my ideal vision for my life. I also set quarterly goals. So once I have my steps that I know that I need to do, I try to be realistic with myself. You want to take like a Goldilocks approach. You want it to be something that is challenging enough 
to inspire you. You don't want it to be so easy that it's not even worth doing. You also don't want it to be so challenging that you're not going to be able to do it and you discourage Mm -hmm. yourself. You want to find that Goldilocks zone. And so I'll set quarterly challenges for myself, quarterly goals. Yeah. I love that. So what is the biggest goal or resolution that you have set and completed? So to date, I'll just think about it in terms of my business. I wanted to become a coach. And so I went back to school. I got my master's degree in life coaching. And then I got my certification through the International Coaching Federation. It took me like three years to do that whole big spiel of of all of that. So that's probably the one that took me the longest. One that I'm really proud of is that I wrote my first book. That's more recent. And it's called the Self-Care Keto Guided Mindset Journal. And basically I wanted to create a self-coaching tool for women who either didn't have the financial availability or the time availability to work with a coach, but who still wanted to start to dig into using food as a practice of self-care and healing your relationship with food, getting out of self-sabotage surrounding food, weight, and body image and stepping into self-care. And so if you're interested, that's on my website, theketofit.com slash journal. And it's got 10 mindset exercises that I have used with my one-on-one clients throughout the years. And it's just available as a self coaching tool for you if you want to take advantage of that. So that was my first book. And I'm just continuing to create more digital products that are accessible for people. I've got my holiday guide, which is a little irrelevant at this point in January, but it's it's doable for all holidays, Mm -hmm. 4th of July, all of those things. So you can check that out if you want to grab it. I've got a restaurant guide available, but yeah, probably the the self-care keto guided mindset journal is the one that's closest and dearest to my heart because it's really about inner transformation. Yeah. That's so special. As someone who is just also finishing her first book, it is such a good feeling to have those things done and completed. So what goal then are you working on right now? Okay. By the time this airs in January, we're recording in October, but while I'm working right now, I'm probably launching another round of group coaching right now, you guys, because that's in January. So reach out to me. I just did my first round of group coaching started in September and we're going through the week before Thanksgiving. And then I'm launching another one in January. So by the time you're listening to this, no, it's not too late to join, reach out to me. And I would love for you to jump in and also launching an online course. So that should be available as well by the time this episode airs. That is so exciting. We're working on big things. So every week on the podcast, we encourage listeners to resolve to consider something or experiment or take some action. So what would you encourage listeners to resolve to do? Is what I would say. So resolve to practice self-care by meeting your own needs, starting with food, resolve Mm -hmm. to eat foods that bless your body, and then think about all of the needs that you have in your life and how you can actually meet them from an empowered place instead of a disempowered place. I find that if we don't give ourselves what we need, we will end up taking what we need. Mm. And because it's a need, you guys, it's not optional. Needs are not optional. And so this is the source of emotional eating. This is the source of really any of our self-soothing mechanisms that we feel like we're, we get so desperate and resentful and angry and burnt out and guilty and shameful and whatever that we just take what we need. Imagine if we gave ourselves what we needed proactively. Perfect. To wrap up this episode, I have a few confetti questions just for fun to help us get to know you a little bit better. So the first one is, what time do you get up? I get up between 4.30 and 5.30 every day. So my alarm is set for 5.30, but my brain usually wakes me up Mm. earlier than my alarm. Lots of time for the morning routine. Yes. (laughs) I love it. When do you do your best work? Between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? It's a Dolly Parton quote. Ooh. (laughs) Find out who you are and do it on purpose. Mm. I think that for a lot of years, one of the biggest reasons that I did not start my coaching practice sooner was because I was trying to do what made sense because I was good at 
my job that I was doing, but it didn't fulfill me deeply. It's like this difference between your zone of excellence and your zone of genius. Mm. So there's going to be a lot of things that you can do and do very excellently. And then there's going to be the thing that lights your heart on fire that gets you into a flow state that all time disappears while you're doing it, that you feel God while you're doing it. However, you would explain that. And that's your purpose. That's who you really are. And so, yeah, it was just a simple quote that I saw actually on my desk calendar while I was working my corporate job. And I just tore it off one day and put it up on the bulletin board and stared at that thing for the couple more months that it took me to actually do the thing. But I was like, yeah, I already know who I am. Now I just need to lean fully into it. And it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning with the biggest regret being people who don't live into that, who don't take those steps to do the things that are their purpose and their passion. So how perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you do to rest? I like to walk. I like to read and listen to podcasts and I like to journal. And also I recently have been practicing Reiki. And so that's something new for me. It's a form of energy healing and meditating. So if anybody's interested in that, I'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah. That's exciting. What is your favorite beverage? Coffee. Mm, Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Ice coffee. (laughs) Favorite TV show? Ted Lasso. I just got into it and I literally just started watching it probably within the last month and we're just about to finish season two. So I binged the whole thing. I love it. It's a great show. Yeah. Lots of big fans of that right now. What book has had the greatest impact on your life? This one was a fun question for me because there's so many books that have impacted my life and I wanted Mm -hmm. to share all of them. But if I answer the question, honestly, even though I read much more spiritual texts now, I grew up very religious in a very Christian household. And so the Bible shaped me more Mm -hmm. than any other book in my life for the majority of my life. So that would still be my answer. Yeah. I love it. What book are you currently reading? The book I'm currently reading is called happy pocket full of money. Mm. And it is about quantum mechanics really more than about money. It's about how our thoughts create our reality. It's very interesting. I would recommend it to anybody. Yeah. I've heard a lot about that one. It's on my list, but I haven't quite gotten to it yet. Yeah. It's four bucks. Like seriously, just buy it full price. Don't wait for it to be available at the library. It's a really good book. Yeah. Just dive in. I love that. (laughs) What is a win that you're currently celebrating that we can toast with you? Oh, I'm so celebrating that I just launched my first round of group coaching. And it's going fantastic. And that's something that was a couple of years in the making. And it finally just was the right time and the right Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. All those things come together. We just trust the process and it always works out. So I'm going to definitely link all of the stuff that you talked about in this episode in the show notes. And of course you shared where people can get all this stuff too, but say it again, where can people go to find more information about you and your work and all the amazing things you're doing and all the amazing resources you have. (laughs) Thank you. Well, follow me online. Um, I'm at the keto fit, all one word on Instagram and Facebook. And then I've got my link in my bio there that links to everything where you can check me out. My website is the You can learn about one-on-one coaching there with me, group coaching, and then also I have the self-care keto guided mindset journal. If you want to do some self-coaching over there, I've got my free keto kickstart PDF that I mentioned to you earlier, bit.ly slash kickstart PDF. You can grab that totally for free. And then also I have a podcast as well. If anybody wants to check that out, it's called self-care keto. So just search that on your podcast player, self-care keto. Perfect. Everyone definitely go check out Jess and all of her amazing resources. Thanks, Carly. Yeah. Thanks so much again for coming on the podcast today, Jess. It has been so much fun to give all of these resources to people who coming into the new year are really ready to make a change in their eating and health habits. Yes. 
I'm excited for you all. Yes, let's do it together. (laughs) Yes. And that's a wrap on my interview with Jess Reed. Definitely go check out all of the resources that she talked about this week. There are so many, no matter what point you're at in your keto journey or weight loss journey in general. I'm so appreciative of all of the insight that she had to share, especially the four steps for if you feel like you have fallen off the wagon. I love those. I will definitely be returning to them. A lot of them are things that I know and use with my clients, but I've never heard them put together and packaged in quite that way. And I think that really is kind of the bundle that you need to pick up as you're trying to get back on the wagon, pursue the things that you really want once again, especially if you feel like you've gone through a time period, maybe a day, a week, a month, even longer of not living up to the lifestyle or the expectations that you want and have set for yourself. So definitely bring that bundle along with you going forward, whether you're working on weight loss, food, or something else entirely different. I think it will come so in handy. And of course, I'm obsessed with anything that talks about the four tendencies. So I'm so glad that came into our discussion today. Thanks for tuning in to the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytisano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.